We have come to our last meeting of this glorious week. And as we shared last night, uh, this morning is actually part two of the propagation of the Jubilee, whereas last night we focus uh, with the help of the background of Paul's experience, particularly his conversion experience documented in Acts chapter 26 and elsewhere in the Acts of the Apostles. Um, we focus on the Lord's appearing to call us. The Lord, when he seeks to work out something on this earth, he would appear to his chosen vessel. And I use that word in singular terms this morning, vessel, and not just vessels. I make the point last night before we departed from this arena, as you went home, I urge you to pray, to find time with the Lord even last evening, to do so individually, personally, one-on-one -on -one with the Lord. God has chosen many vessels. Uh, God has chosen too many people for his use, for his purpose. But in his appearing to call and to commission, he would come to them on a one-on-one -on -one basis. I start starting with our spiritual father, Abraham, or Abram. And yesterday, actually, I f forgot to mention two names who were also dreamers, visionaries, people who had continual revelation and appearance of the Lord. In the Old Testament, one of, the, one of them was Joseph. Joseph was a man of dreams. You can say he was dreamy, but not daydreaming, kind of dreamy. He had dreams again and again and again. And those dreams were actually visions from Jehovah concerning himself, concerning his brothers, concerning his people, Israel. While he was in Israel and after he was sold to Egypt and went through all that he did, he was a man of dreams. And those dreams kept him going. In the New Testament, actually, it ended with another man of vision, and that was the old apostle John. That book, Revelation, the last book, is actually a book of visions. And, you know, those of us who have studied that, it actually comprised 
four main visions, and I'm not here to talk about them. The vision of the golden lampstands, the vision of the world, the vision of that great Babylon, and finally the vision of the new Jerusalem. They were visions upon visions, and he saw them, and he wrote them. <clears throat> that is a kind of appearing of the Lord. I hope, young people from Generation Z in front of me, you would all become men and women of visions. That means you be people with God's appearance. So go and pray, Lord, appear to me. Appear to me as if that's the only thing you need is his appearance, his appearing. You feed on his appearance. You live by his appearance. You forge forward by his appearance. Every step of the way, the more the better. And in a way, it's actually not so hard. You need to turn to him. You need to spend time with him. And let me emphasize here again that it must start very personally. We need the groups. We need companions. We need, of course, the church. And today, at the end, when I talk about how to go and preach the gospel, we will emphasize that, actually. But when it comes to the Lord's coming to us, to reach us, to touch us, to gain us, he does it very, very personally. Draw me, it says, and we will run after you. But draw me first, Shulamite would say. Draw me, and we will run after you. So don't be afraid to be personal with Christ. Actually, he wants it. Find the time. Find the time out of all our busy digital involvement. You know what I'm talking about. You know, one of the things that these devices does is not only it brings all kinds of junk to us, but I'll tell you there's something more insidious, something more evil, something more per pernicious, and that is it steals your time in a huge way, in a huge way. Hours, hours were just consumed for nothing almost. When if that time, if half of that time, if a quarter of that time, if a tenth of that time would be spent with the Lord personally, Oh, brothers and sisters, there may be a revolution in your Christian life.
an automatic instant change in your Christian life just because you spend time with him. And those times with him must be quality time, not quickie time. Not just a few minutes. I wish you all would spend hours with the Lord. You say, what? You're crazy. Hours with the Lord. Well, if you have ever fallen in love, hours seems like seconds, minutes. If you're with someone you care for, you dearly care for, time flies, time flies. You just want to be there all the time, all the time. You're saying, the more you go to him in this way, trust me, he will appear. Amen. He will appear. Even if you stay there and he's not there yet, but don't you move, don't you leave. You got a date, you got an appointment to sit there on that bench, he's gonna show up. That's my experience, that's my experience. And sometimes we're so, when this quickie culture of instant gratification, if something doesn't happen right away, we move on to the next thing. And that's where you miss God. God is not another thing. You don't just ping him, you know, right? Is that the word? And he pings you back. God is not in the business of pinging anything. God wants to stay with you, spend time with you, but you have to want it first. I know I'm belaboring this burden, but I'm speaking something to you, not just for this week, but for the coming weeks and months and years, indeed the rest of your life. My story after I arrived finally in San Francisco in this country, and there I began a much more consistent and frequent experience of having the Lord's appearance. And I found the secret of it. I discovered the key of it. You know, the more you do this, the more you know how to do this. Eventually, I know how I can find the Lord. I know if I show up this way, he'll be there waiting. Sometimes a little longer just to test my faith. That's good for me. Sometimes I, become to, I realize there's, there's a barrier, there's a reason why he's not showing up. I have to deal with those things. All these things helps me to know how to find the Lord and not just only find him, but be with him and have his appearing. Paul, again, after his conversion, after some preaching work that he did, he retreated to Arabia. 
I don't know where in Arabia, somewhere in the desert, far away from Jerusalem, far away from that old time religion of his forefathers, just in a desert place. And I like to encourage you to go to the desert, figuratively speaking, a no man's land. There's no distraction. There's no preoccupations. There's nothing there tempting and seducing you, wanting your attention in a desert place. Even the Lord Jesus went to the desert early in the morning to be with the Father. Go to a place in your spirit and wait on him. Exercise your spirit to pray, to call, to sing until he appears. When he appears, something happens. He presents himself with you and that's everything. That's jubilee all over again. His presence will always be there to supply, to enrich, to quench, to feed, to nourish, to shepherd, to hover over you, to embrace you, to heal you, to encourage you, to enlighten you, to expose you, to deal with you, and in an ever so gentle way. All these transactions based on your deep personal conversation that no one can hear except you and him. Brothers and sisters, you need to build up such a life after this weekend if you have not done so yet. This is everything. This is the source. Otherwise, this weekend will be over and you leave this place and it will be a drop from the cliff. You come from a high and you go into a valley and we have seen this happen too many times and that doesn't have to be. I like to tell you that doesn't have to be. You can leave this place and actually go higher, much higher from day to day so that we see each other, some of us again next summer for some training we're in a different plane. If we have a song of going higher, what is that song? About a higher ground, going upwards. In Psalms, we sing songs of ascent, not songs of descent. Let's not get out of this place and roll down that hill. Let's go for K2, shall we? Let's aim for Mount Everest, shall we? John was in spirit and he was taken away to a wilderness, to the mountain, to the throne in the third heavens. And there, in spirit, he saw things. He saw things. And if you see things like this over and over again, 
I tell you, brothers and sisters, you're going on. Now, this morning, we come to the second part of God's appearance. When the Lord appears to us in his gracious and merciful way, the first thing is he appears to call you. If I can use a military term to recruit you, doesn't sound so good. Or to use a business term to employ you, also not a good term. So let's go back to the biblical term to call you. He knows his sheep and his sheep knows his voice. It says he knows us by name. He knows every one of us. He would come, he would present himself to you with a purpose, and that purpose is to call you. I have appeared to you for this purpose. To call you. Whom he has foreknown, them he also called. He foreknew you in eternity past, but he will call you in time. Oh, the calling of God. That unchanging calling of God, that persistent calling of God until you follow him. Now I remember even the 12 first apostles. They were a group of 12, but each one was called separately, even with Peter and John and James. They were cousins, brothers, whatever, but they were not called as a group. The Lord would come and say, you follow me, you. Forget about him. Forget about him. Forget about the person around you. You follow me. To be called by the Lord is something extremely personal. May you all receive that call. The second thing of the purpose in God's calling is to commission or rather, the God, God's appearance is to commission you. First, to recruit, to employ, to call. He must have a need for something, for someone. So he comes and calls. But after he calls, he will begin to tell you what he wants. So even Paul, this archetypical conversion experience, would ask those two questions. Number one, who are you? Number two, what do you want me to do? Who are you means who is calling me? Who is calling me? Who wants me? 
Who are you in the heavens? I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. I am calling you, Saul. I know what you're doing, but I'm calling you now. Then comes a question from Saul. Automatically, what do you want me to do? Now he has identified the caller. What do you want? Spontaneously. And the Lord was ready. The Lord had something he wanted. He said, to appoint you a minister and a witness, both of, the, both of the things in which you have seen me and of the things in which I will appear to you. Here, I'd like to add something. Years before Paul's conversion, God came in incarnated form as a man. And for 30 years, he was growing up humanly, spiritually. But the time came when he reached age 30, the time for him to begin his earthly ministry as the God-man. And there, he showed up in the synagogue and there he turned to the book of Isaiah. And the, there he read chapter 61. And he quoted Isaiah and say, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And what I want to emphasize here, brothers and sisters, is there God the God-man Jesus, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, was himself called by God as a man to fulfill a certain divine commission. And there it says, quoting Isaiah, the Spirit of Jehovah is upon me. So there, that calling is by the anointing of the Spirit. Dear brothers and sisters, when the Lord comes and calls, he anoints you. There's nothing greater than that. He anoints you with his Spirit. When you have the Lord's appearing, that only can mean one thing, you are being anointed by the holy ointment, which is simply God himself. In type, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, and in fulfillment today as the all-inclusive, life-giving compound spirit of the process triune God, anointing himself as that spirit you, joining you to the anointed one, 
That's what appearance does. Every time you have his appearance, you have some more anointing. Further ointment is poured forth. Even in Hebrews it says that ointment is poured on his partners, those who are one with his enterprise, his universal enterprise in this universe, his economy that he wants to accomplish. He needs men, he needs partners in this divine business. So he comes and calls. And he comes to anoint you with his spirit. Oh, brothers and sisters, listen, I'm not making this up. Every time you're with him, you have his appearance, he's anointing you again. He's anointing you again with the Holy Spirit. Which spirit is just he himself as everything and to do everything for you. The sign of a called one is the anointing. The humble stories that I told you about myself, each time, each time I look back, was the Spirit coming to anoint me. Sometimes this way, sometimes that way. But here, in Paul's conversion, the word is not anoint, but appoint. These two things happens. The calling is the anointing. The commissioning is the appointment. The anointing is with his spirit. And listen, the appointing is with his authority. These are the two things that would come to you when he appears. You'll be anointed by himself as that spirit, and you will be appointed by his divine authority. All the authority in heavens and earth has been given to me, says the resurrected Christ. Go therefore, go therefore and disciple the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Go, I'm giving you all the authority that I have received from the Father. That's appointment. You're not going on your own. You're not going to go with your own power. The power is with me. In fact, the authority is with me. So whoever has the Lord's appearing in this way, whoever has the appointment from God in this way, is endure with his authority. Not only we have his life, but we have his authority. And every time we have his appearing, 
we have more life from him and we have more authority from him. We're the anointed ones and we're the appointed ones. And so that's what the Apostle Paul or Saul at that time received. And you're going to go to be two things, it says. Number one, as a minister. And number two, as a witness. Yes, Paul was a teacher, a great one at that. But here, as a sent one, which is an apostle, by the way, the apostles are not such great figures, unreachable. No, apostle simply means a sent ones, a sent one. And if you are sent, you are an apostle. Actually, we all should be apostles. But he's appointed here as a minister and a witness. What is a minister? A minister simply means a dispenser. You know, like a waiter? They dispense food. They bring food to people. You say, I don't have a degree. I've never went to seminaries. I'm not cut to be a theologian. You don't need any of those. You just need to be appointed as a minister to just bring food, bring the unsearchable riches of Christ to your friend, to your schoolmate, to your companion. If you do that, if the Lord send you to do that, you are a minister. And a witness, what is a witness? You know what a witness is. A witness can be a very dumb person. You know what I mean? Really stupid person. Like me. You know, recently, Ken, I'm getting myself involved with Stanford University. Okay? You're in Harvard, right? I'm in Stanford. <laughs> the West Coast Harvard. The West Coast MIT is down where we are called Caltech. But let me tell you a secret. I'm very afraid to set foot on that campus because I feel my brain is exceedingly small. I feel stupid when I walk around the Stanford kids. I feel like a dummy. But this dummy can be a witness. Because it's not about smarts. It's not about how intellectual you are. It's not about your brain strength. A witness is one who simply speak out concerning what he has seen and heard. That's it. He may be stupid. He may be dumb. 
But he saw something, and he heard something, and he's going to tell the truth, and that is a witness. Brothers and sisters, we are all appointed to be witnesses of Jesus. Just to tell people what we have seen, who we have seen, and what we have heard from him. And so if you have spent time with him, just as Paul testified on his way to Damascus, just that episode, just that experience, he saw, he heard, and he was qualified to proclaim, to witness what we have, he has seen and heard. Actually, if you go to the other version of his story, that's exactly what is said. My brothers and sisters of the Generation Z, 1900 of you here, you are to be witnesses. And this echoes chapter 1 of the book of Acts. You shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, Judea, in Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You will be witnesses unto me. And so, you go and just testify. You're with a friend, right? What can you say? Not that much. You don't know that much. But you tell him, tell her, I've seen him. I've heard him. I've known him. I don't know that much to say, but I tell you, I was with him. He said this to me. I touch his love. Right after I went to Oregon for my college, in Eugene, Oregon. Here I was in a place, there's no church, no church at that time. The church life was in Los Angeles. And I was in a dorm. I still remember the name of the dorm. It's Watson Hall. Down in little Eugene, Oregon, U of O. And I was assigned to a little room with this American guy. His name is Dennis, came from Portland, Oregon. He is a marathoner. It looks, it appeared to me all Oregonians run, you know. <laughs> it's kind of Nike, you know, Nikes, Portland. Everyone is field and track, track and field, whatever. And so he's a runner. Runs every day. There, there's no church life. It was just me and the Bible and the Lord. But soon enough, he was my roommate. And the Lord just burdens me to preach the gospel to him. 
And here I was. I was a scrawny 17-year-old from China, from Hong Kong, with wire-rimmed glasses, And I had a burden to preach the gospel to this American kid. I didn't know what to do. But I'll tell you, the Lord had appointed me. The Lord had anointed me. The Lord had sent me. In those days, even though I didn't have the church life, my daily life was filled with dealing with the Lord. My daily life was filled with reading the Word and the ministry, whatever I could get my hands on. Then one day, in a wintry night, in the first term, the first quarter, he went out on a run, sitting in my room studying. The Lord came to me and said, Now's the time, Minoru. Tonight, you're going to speak to him. And I got tensed, tense. I got scared, like you. <laughs> and the word comes, came again, speak tonight. Tonight is the night. I said, maybe. I mean, I'm going to be here for another six months. I mean, this is just first quarter. This is the fall quarter. He's my roommate. We're not changing rooms. <laughs> speak tonight. Tonight, I want you to speak. Oh, the pressure's on. The pressure's on. You know, sometimes the Lord's appearing brings pressure. I was just pacing. I know he's coming back. And sure enough, he came back. He went for a shower. I said, and sure enough, he came back, started pulling out his books to study. And I knew that was the time. At that moment, I said, Lord, be with me. And I say, Dennis, I have something to say to you. And I begin to share the gospel and my own experience. In brief, within less than half hour, we were both on our knees. And he prayed to receive the Lord with me, this, this China kid this dumb China kid, he received the Lord. Brothers and sisters, it's like that. It's like that. I'm no great apostle Paul, but I can experience exactly what he experienced. And so this morning, my young brothers and sisters, I want to tell you, this is your commission. The Lord said to him, Paul, I'm going to deliver you from the people and from the Gentiles. That means don't be afraid. To whom I send you, that's the apostle, 
And then you have these seven things that we've been quoting again and again and again. Now tonight, uh, this morning, 10.07 now, I'm going to use this outline, not in detail, but just with the help to speak this commission into you. It says we need to be today's ministers. Okay, how about you read it and change we to I? I need to be today's minister and witness by living and proclaiming the gospel. Christ as the Jubilee of Grace for the accomplishing of God's eternal economy. So, last night, if the midday sun was there, we were knocked down to our feet and blinded. This morning, the word is rise up. Young people, it's time to rise up. It's time for thousands and thousands of your generation to rise up and stand on your feet. Don't lay there. It's time to stand up and rise up because he has appointed you for this purpose. In your generation at this time, in these years and decades. This is your specific commission. It's not the commission I receive. I receive a commission for my generation. You are receiving a commission for yours. You have to go. You are being sent to your people. And for this, He's appearing to you. Now, it says here that our preaching of the gospel, this kind of preaching, is our blowing of the trumpet of God's complete salvation to proclaim to the world. Behold, now is the well-acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation, the year of jubilee. You know, the word jubilee, in Hebrew, it comes from the word yobel. Yobel means ram. Ram, you know, like a ram. And hence, the ram's horn. You know, they make a horn out of that, for out of that ram. And that horn is for what? For blowing. You know, whenever the children of Israel have to move, they blow that horn. Whenever they rally them for battle, they blow that horn. And that's what jubilee really means. Jubilee actually means proclamation. And in etymology, in Latin, that word jubilee 
comes from the word to shout, to shout. So you have the ram's horn, you have a time of shouting. This signifies the preaching of the gospel in the New Testament. It is to proclaim the jubilee. It is jubilee. If you can use jubilee as a verb, we go and jubilee. Amen? We go and blow the ram's horn. We go and shout and proclaim the jubilee. And what do we do? In Leviticus 25, it says on that 50th year of Sabbath, the Sabbath of Sabbaths, you go and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each one of you shall return to his possession, and each one shall, of you shall return to his family. So right here, as you have heard this whole week, actually this week, you know what we've been doing? We've been preaching the gospel to you the gospel of jubilee, and now it's your turn. Oh, how I like to see in the whole of USA, campus by campus, full of people like you, blowing the ram's horn, shouting, proclaiming jubilee to all your friends, to all your classmates. Maybe to your siblings, to your cousins. Blow that horn and sound out this liberty throughout the land. You know that you have that, that what? That uh, thing in Philadelphia in, in, in Independence Hall, this, this cracked big uh, bell called what? Liberty Bell. And I was told that this verse was actually put there on the bell. They, they quoted this, am I right? And I remember in the 60s, right, right? Some of you, right, like old people like Bill, remember? <laughs> From the 60s, you know, there was, we had, we went through our kind of social justice moment, you know, equality moment, freedom moment. We have freedom folk songs. Am I right? If I have a hammer, you remember that one? Right? right? Proclaim liberty throughout this land. Freedom and justice. Let me tell you, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, this is the real proclamation of liberty. This is the real proclamation of justice. This is the real proclamation of equality. This is the real proclamation, the proclamation of the gospel of Jubilee. We need to go and proclaim it. Liberty to all of you who are oppressed. 
Liberty to all of you who are in poverty. Liberty to all of you who are blinded. Liberty to all. And not only so, not only so, but it's time for you to return to your lost possession. And that lost possession is no, nothing else but God himself, whom we lost in Adam's fall. Men don't know it today. They reject this God. They even say there's no God. Actually, they lost God. But it's time for them to return to that possession. God has everything to them. My God, my portion, and my all. My everlasting all. And each one of you can return to your family, God's family, God's great universal family with our one Father. In that family, there's safety, there's security, there's satisfaction. Come home, the Father says, come home. I've been waiting for you to kill the cat at faff for you to eat, put on a garment on you, to put a ring on your finger, to put shoes on your feet. Let us be merry and rejoice. For my son who was dead is now alive who was lost and now is found. That's Jubilee, Luke 15. Friends, sisters, go, go. Go and proclaim this Jubilee. Announce the gospel to the poor. This is the word of Isaiah that the Lord Jesus quoted in that synagogue, released to the captives and recovery of the sight of the blind. Send away and release those who are oppressed are the freedoms and blessings of Jubilee. Who doesn't want it? Who doesn't want it? Am I right? But someone has to tell them. They don't know this. Oh, when I look at the young people today, my heart just went out to them. My heart is broken. And I want to, you know, here you have even Isaiah 12 here. You will say in that day, the day of salvation, I will praise you, O Jehovah. You were angry with me, but your anger has turned and you have consoled me. God is now my salvation. I will trust and not dread. For Yah, Jehovah, is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. Therefore, you will draw water with rejoicing, with ecstasy. 
from the springs of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to Jehovah, call upon his name, make his deeds known among his people, remind them that his name is exalted, sing psalms to Jehovah, for he has done something majestic. Let him it be made known in all the earth. Cry out and give a ringing shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Friends, sisters, go to the campus and sing. Go to the campus and shout. Go to the campus and declare and proclaim, Jesus is our jubilee. Amen? Amen. Announcing this gospel, and here it says, very quickly, to announce the gospel to the poor is to preach the gospel to those without God, those who are poor in heavenly, spiritual, and divine things, they may have a bundle, but I tell you, if you don't have God, you are in poverty. To proclaim release to the captives is to impart Christ as the great emancipator. I know one of our presidents have a proclamation of emancipation. Now it's time for us to declare the real one. Everyone on this earth is bound in bondage, in human bondage by sin, by death, and by Satan in himself. We are here to proclaim freedom to all these prisoners of war, all these exiles, prisoners under Satan's bondage. Don't you have a heart for them? To proclaim recovery of the sight of the, to the blind is to open the eyes of those who have fallen and turn them from darkness to light so that they may see the divine things in the spiritual realm. When you, your eyes are open, then you're qualified to open their eyes. Go and open their eyes. And send away those who are oppressed. You know, today, people are oppressed. Oppressed people all over the place. You know, there's this woman in Luke 13. For 18 years, he is like, she is like this. You know, 18 years. You're like this. Can you imagine? 18 years, you are like this. That means she is in bondage. She is oppressed. She could not see anything of the heavens. She can only see things of the dirt, of the earth. And Jesus came on a Sabbath. I think. And healed her. Straighten her up. And oh, religion hated it and say, You're not supposed to do this. Jesus doesn't care for religions. Jesus cared to release people from bondage. And he stood up, straightened up after 18 years. You can do that. You can do that. And you are sent to go and do that to release the oppressed so they could experience God's salvation. Go, brothers and sisters. Receive this commission and go to your campuses. Go home. Go back to where you are and sound out this 
Jubilee of Grace. Now, with the remaining time, I want to speak to you about how to do this practically. I want to give you a way as young saints. Now that you have received this commission to preach the gospel. So it's here, but I want to just speak. Okay, you don't need to look at this. I want to just speak to you. I want to give you two sets of three things as practical handles for you to execute this commission, this glorious commission. The first one are three things. Number one, the spirit. Number two, the word. Number three, prayer. You know, my experience with saving Dennis was with nothing else except these three things, the spirit, the word, and prayer. And I want to strengthen them. Brothers and sisters, if you want to preach this gospel, you need to be full of his word. You have to read this word. I heard Monday night there was a speaking concerning the word of God. I want to come back to that. You need to read the word. You need to read the Bible. You need to read the books, the ministry. Really, if you just cut away some of those social media time, you have a lot of time to do that. In between classes, read the word. The word will be your goods. The word will actually be your power. The living and operative word. You know, even as late as this morning before I come up to this stage, my inward prayer to the Lord is, Lord, put words in my mouth. Put words in my mouth. But I like to tell you, the Lord will put words in our mouth, but more, more often, most of the time, he put words in my mouth. But it must be words that I knew already, that I read already, that I'm familiar with, not some strange words that I've never heard, never known. Something just came out of my mouth. It doesn't happen this way. So you need to have a deposit of the good word of the Lord, the Bible. Read the Bible. The more, the better. This living word of God, I mean, this written word of God, you read it, you pray read it, you get it into you, will soon become the living word. The logos will become the rhema. And the rhema will come out of you. 
That's the gospel. And number two, you need the Spirit. The Spirit. It's not hard to have the Spirit because that Spirit is actually in your spirit. Mingle with your spirit. When you go, young brothers and sisters, and speak, speak with the Spirit, the Spirit of faith. It says we have the same Spirit of faith. We believe, and therefore we speak. The Word is the Word of faith. The Spirit is the Spirit of faith. Both are living, the living Word with the living Spirit. Oh my, when you speak like that, let me tell you, there would be power. There would be authority. It will be convincing and it will be subduing. And so you need to exercise your spirit a lot. You need to drink of the spirit a lot. You need to call on the Lord. This is practical day by day. And then thirdly, oh, this third point is too, too important. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray. Pray, but not just pray in a general way. Pray, pray for the ones that the Lord has brought to you. In my case, my roommate, and he was not the only one. That was just a case when I was a freshman. I prayed for him, actually, that term before I spoke. For, for several months, that we were at the end of the term. So for most of that term, I have been praying already, specifically for Dennis. I know, I believe, you have friends, you have classmates. The Lord would put names in your heart, faces in your heart. I know that. I know how the Lord works. And you, if you say, I don't have any name, any faces, you say, you ask the Lord, Lord, who? Which person should I be burdened for? Which one do you want to gain? Which one should I contact and pursue? You pray. You pray. And when the Lord puts some names into you, you pray even more. I like to tell you, brothers and sisters, something very simple. Very simple this morning. Prayer works. Listen to me. Prayer works. I'm here because prayer works. You're sitting there because prayer works. None of you would be sitting here if, not, if someone did not, had not prayed for you. You may not even know who that someone was, although some people were. But someone prayed for you, and so you're sitting here. Prayer works. We have 40 days of prayer. 
leading up to this week. And we just decided we cannot stop here. We're going to extend it to another 10 days of prayer so that on your way home, someone is still praying for you. And that will be 50 days. That's Jubilee. 40 days means trial. That's not so good. 50 days is Jubilee. So be sure on your way back, some saints are praying for you, covering you, praying for you. And so you have to go back and pray for your friends, for that someone, that someone that the Lord wants to gain and has placed in your heart, no one else's heart but yours. No one will pray for her or him except you because nobody knows. God has commissioned you for this particular person. We don't need to be Billy Graham to preach to thousands and millions. God won't just want each one of us to pray for one or two or three and bring them to the Lord and gain them for God's purpose. And by this way, by this way, you bring in these young people of your generation to pursue Christ together, to be materials for the building of God's house. And you will not preach to them a gospel of going to heaven. By and by, you preach them the gospel of jubilee. It's now and now. To enjoy Christ now. To be in the church life right now. And last night, a dear brother, young brother came up to me from Nigeria, I don't know where he's sitting, from, from the state of Florida. He said, how do I get delivered from Romans 7, from sin, from death? I said, turn the page to Romans 8. <laughs> Jubilee is Romans 8. In short time, I share with him the law of the spirit of life will free you. Isn't that jubilee? Yeah. From the law of sin and death. Yeah. And I talk to him, the way is that you need to set your mind on the spirit. You need to walk according to the spirit. And that spirit is installed in your spirit. I say, brother, you need to exercise your spirit. Trigger that divine law to activate. And then by that spirit, you put to death the practices of your body. There is a way out of bondage, of sin, of temptation, of the flesh that we all battle with day in and day out. There is a way. It's jubilee. And jubilee is in Romans 8. And if I don't know Romans 8, there would be no word in my mouth to share with this dear young brother. And now the other three things, the, the other set. Number one, oh, number one is twos and threes. You've got to be with twos and threes. Brothers and sisters, yes, the Lord's appearing is personal and individual, but 
draw me. We will run. Who's we? The daughters of Jerusalem, your companions. Each of you, all of you must have companions of twos and threes. I don't have the time. I'd like to give a full message to you one day on the twos and threes in the Bible. I did a Bible study on twos and threes of the Old Testament and New Testament. When I concluded that study, I said, praise the Lord. Twos and threes is a divine number. Even God is three. No, I'm not joking. Even the triune God is three. He could have just been one, but why three? Because for his economy, to carry out his plan, he has to be three, Father, Son, and Spirit. And they actually consulted with each other when they made man. Let us make man in our image. That's a council. That's three companions talking about it and coming to a decision to make man so you are made according to a heavenly council of the triune God, Amen. the three. That's just a start. I have a whole Bible through of cases of twos and threes. It says two is better than one. A threefold cord is not easily broken. It's in the Old Testament. Then I tell you the top chapter in the Bible on twos and threes is actually in Matthew chapter 18, where twos and threes are mentioned three times. One time for fellowship, the second time for prayer, the third one for shepherding. Every time is two or three. I want to convince you. I want to see in all the campuses, everywhere globally, young people, you band together in twos and threes. Don't, don't become isolated. Don't become individualistic. Yes, you have the Lord's appearing, but when you pursue the Lord, we will run after you. When you fall, your friend, your companion will hold you up. When you're weak, someone will strengthen you. We run together. And we preach the gospel together. We pray together. Bring your names up one with another and pray earnestly in twos and threes. It says you bind on earth and we release on earth in harmony, twos and threes. And then it says bring one, bring two with you and go and shepherd people and care for people. And of course, we have that great verse, that great verse. Whenever two and three are gathered together into my name, there am I in their midst. So the twos and threes are the smallest Christian community, the smallest building block of the church, the smallest number with guaranteed presence of the Lord. There am I in your midst. You know, if it's just by yourself, there's no midst there. 
it takes at least two to have a midst for the Lord to show up. So go back and be with twos and threes to preach this jubilee. The second thing, the second thing is the homes, the homes. And here I would like to say a word, not just the homes, but the homes of some older saints, married ones, families. This work that we're doing is not just with you. It is really what? All the ages working together. The homes. Attach yourself to the homes of families. Join yourself with families. And by the way, it's best that you don't live by yourself somewhere on the other side of town. It's better for you to be and live with brothers and sisters. But the homes, they become the shepherd's tent. These are places to bring your new ones to, to feed them, to care for them. You work together with older saints. How sweet that is, how beautiful that is. I like to tell you, young brothers and sisters, you are not alone. This week, this week, I was told there are, what, 30 saints? Yeah. 30 saints, older saints, who came, flew into, or drove to Champaign. I don't even know whether they're in the meetings. You know what they come here for? They came here to pray for you. And I will guarantee you that many older saints Right now, as I speak, there's nothing in their hearts except you. You need them, and they need you. And so the third thing in this second set is the church. The gospel that we preach is a gospel preached by the church. So you must be in the church life. You must be in the church meetings. You must be one with the church. The power, the authority is with the church. The covering, the protection is in the church. The supply are all in the church. So stay with the church and be one with the church as you go and proclaim the gospel. Now, I have to finish in three minutes. And in three minutes, actually, I want you to do something, which I have, should have told you early on, but I forgot. It's okay. This morning, because of time, we cannot have so many saints come up here to give testimonies. But we're going to have something better. And that is, you all will stand up in groups of six, eight, and right where you are, and fellowship, so everyone could get to speak and testify. Okay? Amen?
And not only so, I was told to ask you to do something else. Now, this is something new for me, so I don't know how it's done. But you have some kind of an app. <laughs> don't, don't open it right now. That is after you have a, some time of speaking, sharing, maybe singing, declaring, whatever. You can take out this app and right there, speak your testimony, every one of you. Can you do that? Huh? I mean, you cannot speak, right? You have to write, no? Speak. Oh, you can speak into the app? Uh huh? Speak a video? I guess you know what they, they mean. And you can post it on that app or something like this. Am I right? Okay, I got it now. All right. And we'll do it before you leave, every one of you. Just your testimony, your sharing. Now, with just one minute left now, friends, sisters, we're here in the United States of America. I fully believe with what's going on out there, the world situation, our country's situation, this generation's situation. I hardly need to say more. It's a sign that the Lord must have to do something. And we're small in the Lord's recovery. We stand with all believers, all Christians, who is for God and his word. They are brothers and sisters. But this country is in desperate need of jubilee, of Christ, of God's salvation, of his kingdom. And so, there's just a strong burden that you would pray for this land, your land of the United States of America. I personally believe the Lord is about to do something in this country, on the campuses, in different cities, different states, different regions and areas, this jubilee has to be proclaimed. This jubilee has to be celebrated and experienced subjectively. I believe so. I believe a new revival will come. I believe a day of refreshing may be close upon us. I believe the people in this country, especially your generation, are looking and searching. They're in need. They may act cool, but actually inside 
It's broken. It's lonely. It's depressed. It's insecure. It's unsafe. They're looking still, as my generation did, for the meaning of human life, for the purpose of existence. Christ is the meaning of human life. They're looking for Christ, no less. And they're looking for a home, a place to belong, a safe place with a family, the family of God. They want the truth. They want to see reality. They really are earnestly seeking for that. But only this is truth. And only God is reality. Christ is reality. So, brothers and sisters, in the campuses everywhere, you go and be the seats of the gospel. There may be just two of you on that campus. There may be just four or five of you. That's enough because you have the Lord's appearing. You bear his anointing, you go forth with his appointing, with his spirit and with his authority. And the church is with you. Amen. Amen. Well, we come to the end of this week. I hope in four years, 20 what? 23? We will not have just 2,800. We'll have at least 4,000 right here. If each one of you will bring one, there will be more than 4,000. 5,000. This, just this place, we can seat 5,000. Now, how about we set 5,000 as a goal? Amen? Amen? Go gain them. And there are even lost sheep among us, those who have gone off, those who have gone wayward, those born in the church, those who have backslidden, all types, all shapes, all kinds, we don't care, all colors, we don't care. Go and gain them for the Lord. 5,000. 5,000. By faith, I say 5,000. But the next few years, every summer, we will have regional conferences going on. But that's for 2023. All right, I stop here.
The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Grace be with you. Amen. As the Jubilee.